This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It is the second half of the show. Nobody has snapped up the quiz yet, so it's still available. We've still got it. We've still got, still got more uh, quiz coming your way. one ready to go. So it is a Who Am I? I read out the third clue for everybody. Okay. I said, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. So nobody has called in with the correct answer. So if you think you know it, do get onto your little mobile phone. Uh, if you're driving, then please refrain uh, or, or find a place to safely pull over. But if you think you know the answer and you are in a safe position to do so, please give us a call at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or send us a text on 0491-064669. There you go. So that's the number to call right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669. Okay, Liam, we are about to get into our Bible study of the day, our Encounter with God section. We are in Daniel chapter 10, so if you are not on the road right now, then pull out your Bible, swipe open your phone, go to Daniel chapter 10 because that is the passage we're going to be looking at. Before we do, we need to give everybody a quick reminder that if you are listening to the delayed broadcast, we just had a listener who called through for, I think, the uh, the quiz or the prize or something or other, and they were listening to the delayed broadcast. If you are listening to the delayed broadcast, then the way to get uh, on board with the live show is to simply download the app. Go to your app store, type in... Faith FM Australia has a white background, squiggly line. You'll have a perfect signal wherever you go. If you have a bit of a dodgy signal where you are, and maybe you're living a little bit too far from a transmitter, faithfm. No, faithfm. Well, .com.au, you can play it there as well. But Faith FM Australia app is your solution. Of course, you can run that through the Bluetooth, the aux cord, tape insert, whatever you want in your car. And uh, it will work perfectly for you. Okay. Where are we up to? Liam thinks I've said something funny. What did I say that was funny? You, you said that you could put it into the tape recorder. You, that would, wouldn't that mean that you'd have to record it? No, you tape insert. Oh, okay. You should, uh, see? You're right. These, 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 right. these, these uh, what's it, generate, gen, gen, gen Z? I'm, I'm, I just made the cutoff for not... The current generation. Yeah, so you're not alpha, you're Z. Yes. Okay. So Gen Zs have never, ever seen a tape insert. See, tape insert looks like a tape, but it has a little cord coming. It has an aux cord coming out of it, and you put it into your tape player. I tell you, what's the world coming to? I think i still got a car somewhere with a tape. No, I don't have a car with a tape player. I used to have a car with a tape player. I do remember seeing the tape player once upon a time. (laughs) It's <laughs> hilarious. All right. Uh, the world that we live in. <laughs> All right. Daniel chapter 10. And I believe we're up to verse 10. Before we get to verse 10, let's do a bit of a review. Okay, Here okay. in Daniel, we find that the 70 years of captivity for the Jewish people in Babylon has come to an end. And 
approximately, in fact, absolutely nothing has happened. No. Not only that, but nothing even looks like happening. And so Daniel starts to pray more seriously than he has prayed before. He used to pray you know, three times a day. Now he is fasting and praying, and he fasts and prays for three weeks. This is a, uh, a processed food fast. He's not eating any processed food for three weeks. Basically becoming a vegan for three weeks. Yeah, kind of like an all-raw vegan is the impression that you get. Yeah. Uh, because it says he eats no pleasant food, which kind of indicates that he's not eating cooked food. He's well, he's just eating fruit and veggies. And, I mean, he'd be just like glowing with health at the end of all of this. Um, probably the first week or two, he'd be doing regular trips to the bathroom um, with that extra fiber running through until his body readjusts to it. But he would be, yeah, at the end of... Uh, an all, an all raw three week cleanse. I think you'd be pretty feeling pretty good. That's a cleanse for the ages. Have you ever tried that? I I did try doing a, a, a fast or a cleanse once, um, but it was just after I started. I found I found out I was iron deficient, so I had to adjust and uh, find some alternatives. Yeah, but isn't can't you just do like like broccoli and stuff like that? It's like packed with iron. I think. I think. Oh, I was... Yeah, producer Shell's nodding her head, but neither of us are health experts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I'm going to say that broccoli is your solution. If somebody wants to dispute that with me and you have more qualifications than I do, then our number is 1-800-324-843. I think you should go on a broccoli diet. For how long? Oh, you can live on broccoli for weeks. I've done it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. when I was a kid, we were poor one year, and uh, we got back from Western Australia. We'd been there for three months, got back to uh, back home in Tassie, and the only thing left in the garden, which had gone wild, were a whole veggie garden with wild broccoli from one end to the other. So we lived off broccoli. Well, that... You know, I, I, I had a, a cousin that didn't like broccoli, and um, the way that I convinced him is that I got the little piece in my hand, mm-hmm. and I said, you've got to give it a haircut. Okay. And um, now he loves it. There you go. Broccoli is actually high in um, protein and B12. Right. <laughs> and and right. now producer Shell is looking at me with great scepticism because I, I am... <laughs> yeah, I am giving false information here. It's not full of protein and B12, but it's full of grubs. Right. And grubs are full of protein they and B12. <laughs> when you grow it in your backyard and it's all It's got uh, all organic, sorts running through it. It, uh, I think it's one of the most sprayed products on the planet. We need to get Bible study. <laughs> well, how did you get me distracted onto this? Anyway, oh. So Daniel has this cleanse. That's and, how we got distracted, yes, through Daniel. That's right. And uh, he's praying and he sees somebody. Um, he's standing by the Tigris River. And who is it that he sees? He sees uh, a very shiny man who we can assume is Jesus Christ. Well, actually, we know it's Jesus Christ because it's the uh, same description here as what you find in Revelation chapter 1. That is very much correct, as we discovered yesterday. Indeed. Okay, so what is his reaction when he sees Jesus in all his glory? So... He, he is very shocked. I mean, obviously, not not only seeing Jesus, but if you see a very bright light, um, that, that's quite shocking. Um, I know when I woke up this morning or, and, and turned the light on, 
I kind of I, I wheezed a bit. It's a bit dazzling. It is, and you sort of shock yourself. Now, if you add that to the contribution of the fact that it is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, you, you'd be quite taken back. If you think about Moses, you know, when Moses spent time in the presence of God, his skin absorbed so much light that when he went down into the camp of Israel, no one in Israel could even look at him. And he's just a normal human being who has absorbed that much light that he's shining so brightly they actually have to throw a blanket over his head so that he can be in their presence because, you know, he is just glowing with the glory of God. So you imagine actually seeing God himself personally. It would, you'd, you'd be blinded yeah. by You'd be blinded and flattened and flawed, and that's exactly what happens to exactly. Daniel. He's just completely wiped out by it. Adding to the fact he's an old man. He's pushing 90 years old. My, my grandfather, um, before he passed away, he, he was quite deaf as well, and, and his sight was going. And um, I know that he even struggled with anything like that. So he was sort of getting towards that end of the of, of the his innings and um, to a similar age to to um, to Daniel. So I can I I can relate to that from a from a personal experience sort of almost um, to what it was like back then for for Daniel. Yeah, so he's an old man and he has this vision. The Bible says that he falls flat on his face toward the ground. He has no strength whatsoever at all. And a hand touches him, and verse 10, actually, why don't we go to verse 10? So he's completely wiped out. In fact, uh, we the indication is here that he's completely fainted. In fact, he's not even breathing, which is interesting because he is not the only prophet who has, in the process of having a vision of heavenly things, has ceased to breathe. And at times, you know, we've, we've got uh, records of prophets who have ceased to breathe for very extended periods of time. Anyway, read for us verse 10. Daniel chapter 10, verse 10. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. Okay, let's wait there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. What we're going to find is that Daniel here is supernaturally strengthened. So somebody comes along and touches him, gives him the strength that he needs. He now makes it up onto his hands and knees. So that's a that's a, a start from where he was before. Who's doing this? I, I could imagine. Well, he said that a hand touched him just not necessarily a body or a being just a hand maybe that's because that's the only thing he could see he could only make out a hand from this if you read just verse 10 on its own you could come to that conclusion indeed but when you continue reading you find that somebody was actually there that's right so verse 11 and then the man said to me daniel you are very precious to god so listen carefully to what i have to say to you stand up for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Who's this? I, I think this is still Jesus Christ. A lot of people do. But. 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 Read the verse again. And then the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Ah, stop right there. 
you are very precious to God. It's an interesting phrase because it indicates this person is talking about God rather than as God. Yeah. And this is not the only indication we're going to get. We're going to find a couple more clues as we go further down through the passage, particularly when we come over to, uh, well, by the time we get to the end of verse 13, we're going to have some very, very clear indications in in, in relationship to what is uh, taking place right here. Okay, this is not Jesus Christ. In the context of the passage, when you're just reading it through and you haven't read any further, at this particular point you're thinking, okay, so he's had a vision of Jesus Christ, he's collapsed flat on his face, he's fainted, and then Jesus comes and touches him and picks him up and tells him to stand upright. That's kind of what you would assume without the context that is coming on in a, you know, a little bit further on. And so the first clue that we get is that this person is talking about God rather than as God. It would be a bit strange to talk about yeah. yourself in third person. It, it, I know people do not, it. It's not unheard of, uh, but there's, there's stronger evidences that we're going to get as we come down through. Okay, what you're going to find is this, is that there are two people present here. Yes. There is Jesus Christ and there is this person here um, who is you know supernaturally strengthening Daniel and having a bit of a conversation with him. Um, so this is separate from, and it's important to recognize that this is separate from the first person because unless we do, these next couple of verses are going to make absolutely no sense whatsoever at all. Okay, so what are we up to? Uh, verse 12. Verse 12. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I've come in answer to your prayer. Okay, so just to summarize what we've got here, he says, don't fear, don't stress out because Daniel's like terrified and trembling because he's actually looking at God. And every time you find an experience where people have actually come into the presence of God, you kind of feel, you know, or they kind of feel pretty sinful. You know, there's a pretty big contrast between their righteousness and God's righteousness. And, and, and so, yeah, it's a natural reaction that he is trembling. Anyway, so the person says, don't worry, Daniel, don't stress out, don't freak out. Uh, From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God, your words were heard, and for that reason I have come. This is interesting. Daniel begins to pray. He's been praying for three weeks, and he's been seeing absolutely nothing take place. Now, I don't know about you, Liam, but if that was me at that particular point, I would be starting to wonder, wait a minute, I've been fasting and praying for three weeks. Does God gone to sleep? Is, is something he happened? dead? Does God even exist? Is this is praying even a real thing? Yeah. It would go through your mind, wouldn't you? The doubts yeah. would certainly certainly build up. And for us average human beings, that's a natural reaction. Yeah. But this is Daniel. And when Daniel starts praying and fasting, and he's one of the greatest heroes of the Bible, nothing is happening. The first day, nothing happens. The second day, nothing happens. Yeah, he's 21 days in. Nothing has happened. Apparently it takes 21 days for a habit to, to sort of kick in. So maybe these 21 days of nothing happens... A habit might be starting to... Yeah, it might be starting to feel like it's, uh, it's just a bit of a thing. God doesn't answer my prayers. What's yeah. going on here? And then, of course, this particular person turns up and says, hey, when you first started to pray, on the very first day you started to pray, I came. Mm. 
All right. Read for me verse 13. 13. 13 says, But for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to me to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Okay, we have to ask ourselves the question, who is the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia? That's an interesting translation. It is actually, you know, the, the, the old KJV simply says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Yes. Uh, when you look at the Chaldee that this comes from, the Aramaic that it comes from, the Hebrew, uh, it does carry that concept of the spirit prince. So what's a spirit prince? Well, in, I've got a. I've I've also got the the New King James next which to me, which would be fairly similar to mine. I would which imagine, would be fairly similar, and the New King James uh, refers to it as one of the chief princes of Persia. Of Persia, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. So I guess, I guess looking from I guess that context, it's sort of I, I sort of picture a sort of a, a legion or an army or something, and his. One of the higher ups, mm-hmm. one of the one of if not the top dog next to next to God, the the, the triad himself. Yes, sort of the, but this one is withstanding him. This one is standing against him. So this is not going to be on God's side. So maybe it's the, the the chief of Satan's side. Yeah. Okay. So let's think about this for a moment. Your translation there says the the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Let's let's remember that what we have here in this chapter and what is developing is a behind-the-scenes view of the great controversy that has been waged in a universe that we never get to see. And you have this particular angel that is chatting with Daniel right here um, and you know the assumption at this particular point is that this is going to be Gabriel because Gabriel is the angel who comes and has conversations with Daniel. Yep. So let's call this person Gabriel. So Gabriel is here talking with Daniel, and Gabriel is saying, "Look, on the first day, and Gabriel, you know, the most powerful angel there is in heaven. Uh, on the first day that you began to pray, I came down. Yeah, you've been praying for you know the release of the captives, captive Jews, and the restoration of the temple. Uh, the moment you came to pray, I, I I came down and I arrived, and there and and I went straight to the kings of Persia." And I began to, you know, work on the hearts and the minds of the kings of Persia to bring an answer to your prayer. You know, Daniel is praying an intercessory prayer, which has, you know, allowed God to work and to act. And so God works and God acts. And Gabriel turns up and he begins to work on the minds of, you know, Cyrus the Great. Yeah. The mind of Cyrus the Great and the other Persian leaders. And so Cyrus the Great, you can imagine Cyrus the Great being there like, yeah, maybe I should... Maybe I should let the, the the Jews go free. And maybe that thought comes into his mind. But then uh, Gabriel is not the only celestial being that is present. Cyrus the Great, at this particular point, has no interest in Yahweh, who is the God of the uh, Israelites, the Jews, and uh, you know certainly not a worshipper of Yahweh at this particular point, probably knows very, very minimal amounts about Yahweh. And so, you know, you've got the devil there as well, or Satan, his angel, whoever, whoever Satan has assigned to Cyrus, yep. the spirit prince of Persia. Uh, so in the spirit realm, whoever's been assigned to Cyrus, and this particular 
Spirit is doing absolutely everything that he can to ensure that the captives are not set free. Because if you think about it, if those captives are not set free, they never go back to Jerusalem. The temple is never the temple is never rebuilt. You now don't have a place for, you know, Messiah to come. Christianity doesn't exist. You know, uh, Islam doesn't. Yeah, you know, the, the history of the world is changed right here. Yeah. Um, on this decision that Cyrus is about to make, this is, this decision right here makes Cyrus one of the most influential, top one hundred influential characters of the world. He was for his people, slaves in exile, for all their sin. Then the dawning down by the river struck down and silent when he saw him clothed in white. Vision bright, Daniel trembling, mercy and love in those eyes of light. I want to see Jesus too. Collective as they take us through the book of Daniel, this time looking at Daniel chapter 10 with I Want to See Jesus 2. 
We move on. We need another clue for our quiz. No one's got this one yet. Not is, quite yet. What is it's, going on? It might be a little bit trickier, but uh, I think this, this next clue will get us one step closer. Clue number four is I, like Peter and Andrew, am from Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee. If you think you know the answer, please give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can send us a text on 0491-064-669. Okay, so here's an extra clue. This is one of the disciples. That narrows it down to 12. There we go. It comes from Bethsaida. Anyway, if you know the answer, then give us a call right here. And it's not the other. By the way, Jeff called Galilee. through from South Australia with a really good point. Uh, he mentioned that with you know we're talking about how bright Jesus was and how Daniel you know collapsed and fell flat on his face and was yeah. completely wiped out by yeah. the by that particular experience. He talks about when an angel, a couple of angels, turn up at the tomb of Jesus. That's it. on the resurrection morning. You know, you got you've got a, a Roman watch. Yeah, it's like a hundred bent. The Roman watch. And every single one of them in the Bible says they fell flat on their faces like dead men. Yeah. So we see bright things take place. You know, even people who observe nuclear explosions don't fall down and just faint from the brightness. Yeah. There is something supernatural going here that when we come into the presence of these supernatural beings, when they are not when they're not holding back their brightness, that just absolutely floors human beings. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Anyway, we were in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 13. Daniel Prince, or the, Sorry, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. Thank you. Uh, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia is fighting with this Gabriel, withstanding him for 21 days, and uh, nothing is happening. And so what you've got here is a war taking place, a war that is taking place between the powers of God and the powers of Satan. Yep. And it's a war over the, the hearts and minds of men. Now, what is significant about this is that you would expect that if God wants something to happen, bang, it just happens. Yep. Because yep. he is sovereign God and nothing is going to mess with that. Why is it? We know that God wants this to happen. Why is it there's a struggle? Because, I mean, if God wanted it to happen, he doesn't have to struggle at all. He can just say, no, it's happening, and it would be done. It would just happen. But there's an actual, there's an actual struggle here because, you know, Cyrus the Great, he's not letting the people go for whatever reason. He is... He is resisting, and he is resisting because Satan is doing everything that he can with Cyrus to make sure that Cyrus resists. We don't know all of the details. Maybe Satan is in control of some of Cyrus's advisors, and they're giving very bad advice. Maybe Cyrus is in control of, you know, directly under the control of Satan himself, and so Cyrus is like, no, I'm never going to let these people go. We don't know why it is that Cyrus is not making a positive decision but we do know maybe it is maybe all of all that this uh, evil spirit has had to do this evil angel has had to do is to distract Cyrus and keep him busy oh you got a war over here you got diplomatic relations over there you got a big empire you need to be taken care of the last thing you need to be thinking about is these troublesome Jewish people maybe he's just playing a distraction game we don't know but whatever this evil angel is doing this evil angel is having great success and Cyrus is not making a decision 
to let God's people go. Okay, so we're seeing a behind the scenes here. Why why do you think it is that God just doesn't snap his fingers and go, bang, it's done? I think that's because I've, I I I was always taught that he wants to he wants us to learn something. If he if I remember when I was the, the lesson I was taught when I was little is that if I had my parents come and do everything for me, then would I learn how to do those things when I grew up and when I needed to do them for myself? Mm-hmm. And so I think that might be what's sort of happening here is God is using this situation to help teach not only Daniel, um, but all the other um, people of Israel uh, what they need to do to operate in, in this type of a situation. Okay, so there's a learning process that's happening here. Yeah. That's for sure. There's something else that's going on as well. Let me ask you this question. Does God ever force anyone? I don't. Yeah. He is stuck for words. Okay. Let me put it to you this way. If God ever forces anyone, that person has effectively lost the power of choice and become God's robot. No freedom of will. They're just a puppet. Yes. Being played by a puppet master. And if freedom of will disappears, love disappears with it. Yes. Love cannot exist where there is no free will. Love is created by free will. There's no such thing as love where there is no free will. Yeah. You know, my computer can love me. I can program it to do so. Is that love? It's not love. No, it's not, just a computer program. It's no. just been programmed. And so if God was to take away Cyrus's free will, yeah. then uh, love would cease to exist. Now, you know, God's sovereignty reigns, and so God's people are going to go back. God's going to make sure that that happens somehow because God has prophesied this. But he is not going to do that by violating the free will that Cyrus has. God has a multitude of ways of ensuring that it happens, but he's not going to violate Cyrus's free will. Yeah. And so Gabriel here, you're one of the most powerful angels of heaven, and he's he's there with Daniel, sorry, with uh, Cyrus, and he's trying to convince Cyrus, uh, you know, in the background to release God's people. And there's another evil angel there that is his equivalent, and the two of them are they are at war, and we have no idea what's going on. We do not see what's happening, and Daniel is praying, and he has no idea that there is this war going on because it's just it's invisible. This is where we get a real behind-the-scenes look. Okay, let's continue on with uh, verse 13. Go back and read for us verse 13, please, because there's a change that takes place after 21 days. Something significant takes place. So 13 again. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Okay, so... Gabriel is there and he's having no success. And so when Gabriel is having no success, what happens? He goes who, away. He Yes, but who turns up to replace him? Michael. Okay, so the implication here is that we are now going up the chain of command. Yes. It's a little bit like, you know, if you send, if you send a, uh, a, 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 a powerful lawyer. Yep. To argue a case. Yep. And they're not making any progress. 
And so let's say that that lawyer that you sent is, you know, a $100,000 an hour lawyer. Yeah. And they're not making any progress. And so then what do you do? Well, you bring in the big guns and now you send your $500,000 an hour lawyer. That's, this, this, this is the escalation yeah. that is that is taking place here. And this indicates how interested God is in the affairs of human beings, is that when Daniel is praying, what happens is that when Gabriel's not making any progress, you've got to remember that this is the most powerful angel there is in heaven, somebody of greater significance and more importance turns up. God doesn't go, ah, oh, you know what? Gabriel failed, so uh, what am I going to do? Well, I give up. God doesn't give up. God will go to whatever degree he needs to to make sure that his will is carried out. If you're wondering who Michael is, we're going to tell you that in the Bible study tomorrow. That's what tomorrow's Bible study is all about. for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? 
A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. So bird don't fly so low You were made to soar This I do know But your wings are tired Bruising clip by nasty winds Winter's coming, food is scarce Friends are few and money spare don't worry, little bird One penny buys you two sparrows This little bird doesn't cost much Yet God ensures they never fall Without him knowing as such more you were a Bethlehem birth than the love that would die for your sin Little bird don't lose your song in the chaos 
sparrows This little bird doesn't cost much Get caught in shorts, they never fall Without him knowing as such My friend, you were more than many sparrows If a sparrow means so much to Welcome back, everybody. That was Janine Orwa there with uh, Little Bird. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're about to have another clue for our quiz. Bit of an obscure one. One of the disciples, but not one of the really common disciples. Who is this one? What have you got for us there? The next clue is, I am the apostle who brought Nathaniel to Jesus. Okay, who was that particular apostle that brought Nathaniel to Jesus? If you know the answer, give us a call right now. You know what the numbers are. 1-800-FAITH-FM, that's 1-800-324-843, or send us a text on 0491-064-669. Okay, question of the daytime. We've got one coming in from Darren, and he always sends us the best questions ever, so this is going to be a good one, so get ready for it. Here we go. Darren says, Is it true that SDAs, Seventh-day Adventists, believe wine meant grape juice? When Jesus turned water into wine, uh, referring to oinus in Greek, it must have been alcoholic because the definition of wine means fermented grape juice. Even non-alcoholic wine is also known as fermented grape juice, which has had the alcohol removed. Surely, wine can never refer to simple grape juice because it has never been fermented. Also, wine was always served at Jewish weddings, not grape juice, regards Darren. Okay, good question right there. And for those who may not be familiar, this station, of course, Faith FM, is owned by the Amos Church, hence his uh, reference there to SDAs. So we've got a number of questions that sort of arise out of this particular passage. We're going to start with uh, Darren's contention that wine... Um, that SDAs say that wine in the Bible equals grape juice. That's incorrect. The Bible indicates that there are many places where wine refers to alcohol. Yeah. There are also many places where wine refers to grape juice. Uh-huh. And there are many places where wine refers to dibbus, which is a reconstituted grape juice. Right. And so what you're going to find is a difference between the definition of the word and the first century usage of the word. Right. Even when a word has a particular definition, its usage can be different from the actual definition. First century usage of the word wine was that it refer referred to any beverage that came from grapes. 
Yes. It does not require fermentation for that particular word to be used. In fact, there was no other word that was used for grape beverages Juice that were available. Uh, yeah, all of all of the different variety yeah. of uh, beverages that comes from grapes. There was no other word that was used uh, during the first century or during the biblical era. Yeah. Uh, other than wine. And so wine could be used, and there are numerous examples of this in the Bible where it says, you know, do not destroy the new wine which is in the cluster. Right. Very clearly, context, it's still in the cluster. Yep. Right? So it doesn't even been squeezed out yet. It's still in the grapes. Yeah. yeah. That's not alcoholic. No. And yet the Bible calls it wine. So it's yeah. even called wine when it is still inside the grape. Yeah. Okay. So wine is the usage of the word wine refers to any number of different beverages. Uh, the three main beverages that were available at that particular time being grape juice, dibus, and of course alcohol. The question comes up is um, which kind of these? What we're going to do with this question is a very important question. So we're going to answer it over a couple of days. We need to spend a little bit more time on this. But let's go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And we're going to look here at the story of the wedding feast. Um, the Bible says it was the third day of the wedding. You find that in chapter 2 and verse 1. And Jesus was there with his disciples. He's gone to this wedding feast. And they, on the third day of the wedding, they run out of wine. So this was a bit of a disaster for all of the, um, all of the disciples at the time of, you know, all, all of the, well, everybody was at this wedding. Now, what we need to think about is this. They've been drinking for three days. Yeah. And the Bible says, uh, let me see there, um, in verse 6, there were in, they come to Jesus, there were six water pots of stone after the manner of, of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. So these are six uh, pots of the size of a keg. So significant. A couple, couple of barrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them with water. And Jesus said, draw out now. And take to the governor of the feast. And they took it to the governor of the feast. And the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, but did not know where it came from. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning sets forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but you have kept the good wine until now. This is very, very interesting. You see, the Bible says it was the third day of the feast. Uh-huh. The Bible says, in the King James Version, they had well drunk. It means that they had drunk a lot. Now, I don't know about you. I've never been on a three-day drinking binge. No. <laughs> but I have very close friends who have, yeah. and I have been present when they have. Things get a bit hectic. And I've got to tell you, after a three-day drinking binge, heavy drinking for three days, yeah. which is what the Bible describes here, in the clearest possible language, they are struggling to stand up. Yeah. Now, the Bible is absolutely clear that being drunk is a sin. Yes. And that no drunkard or alcoholic is going to heaven. Mm. And so here's the claim. that If you're going to claim that this is alcohol that Jesus is making right here, this is the claim that you're making. They've gone a three-day drinking binge. Yep. They have panicked because they've run out. It's like, oh, no, we've run out of grog. What do we do now? Well, let's make another six kegs of it. 
This is literally what you have Jesus doing is making six kegs of alcohol for people who are so blind drunk they can barely stand up. So his, that doesn't fit with the, any kind of context of scripture whatsoever. No, at all. It sounds like what you're saying is it sounds like he's supporting a sinful act. Absolutely, and Jesus never supported that. Okay, simply this is how it worked. You had three different kinds of beverages. Yep. You had grape juice. Yep. You had dibus, which is reconstituted grape juice that would last for about eighteen months without yep. fermenting, um, and that was what you'd place into a wine skin, and you would have alcohol. Yes. Um, at this particular wedding, on the first day, what are you going to serve? Pure grape juice. Yes. You can't do that on the second day unless you are constantly making it because if you keep it overnight, it's going to be alcoholic by the next day. Yeah. And so the second and the third day, you're going to provide reconstituted grape juice, in other words, dibus, yeah. and um, and that's what people are going to drink. But when Jesus, when they run out and Jesus creates fresh Wine, he's not going to create alcohol, which is going to cause one in seven people who taste it to become an alcoholic. Yes. And bar them from heaven. Jesus doesn't do that kind of thing. Neither is he going to create, you know, second rate dibus reconstituted, which is mixed with water to turn it back into a liquid. No, 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 no. Jesus creates pure, fresh. Grape juice. Effectively context, squeezing it straight from the vine. In the Bible, context will tell you which beverage is being referred to by the word wine. We've got a lot more to say about this. We're not finished. We'll be back with more tomorrow. This is Josh Garrels. I'm down to tell you But you can't bear to hear me now In a little while I must move on But I'll send my love to you And you can't call my name separate our love I'm doing it all
Welcome back, guys. That was just Garrels with For You. This is The Breakfast Show and Liam. Yes. Real quick, one yes. last clue. See if somebody can snap it up in the last two minutes. Here we go. The last clue, I am Tola, Cora, or Philip. So that really breaks it down. If you think you know the answer, please give us a call at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or send us a text at 0491-064-669. No one is yet to get the correct answer. So send on, uh, message on through, call in through, and uh, we'll, we'll, if you get the, get it right, we'll, uh, we will be sending you uh, the Doug Batchelor uh, the Doug Batchelor book that he wrote entitled, pardon me, I've got to... <clears throat> okay, we're going to send you that book and we also have a free book that we're going to give away right now. The name of yes. the free book that we're giving away right now is, is Over the Top Juniors Devotional. Okay, so Juniors Devotional coming up. If you've got any juniors in your family, uh, grandchildren, children, uh, or if you are a junior yourself, give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. And don't forget, we want you to study your Bible. We encourage everybody to study their Bibles every day because that is where you will meet Jesus. If you'd like to do my series, which is the Prophetic Code, give us a call on that number and we can make that happen for you as well. Right now, remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Sounded like music in my ear Beautiful story of Jesus Dispelled my doubts and all my fears How marvelous is His love Brought to This world is longing to know Wonderful story of Jesus I'll take it wherever I go Tell of His love for this world To save every man Woman, boy, and girl Oh, it's not just a story Oh, it's not just a story 
Everyone who is born from God has overcome the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. You're listening to Faith FM. Bloody shed for me, his life he gave. 